Audio Parfait. Tired and in pain, but other than that, I'm great. How are you? Uh, all right. Yesterday was kind of a bad day for Stephanie. She has these, uh, if you don't know Stephanie, she has this condition that causes her to, we're not going to get too deep into it. She's got a condition that causes her really bad muscle spasm. And uh, her medicine that she takes usually does a decent job of fending off these horrible muscle, contorting muscle spasms. And the... Uh, alternative medicine which is legal here in the state of illinois um that she takes responsibly is in you know when i'm home and she keeps everything locked away from where anybody else can get anything but that usually also helps with the pain and the spasms and the contorting well eventually it all comes crashing down on her and that happened to be yesterday so yesterday was not a great day for my wife no i spent all day in bed on an electric blanket yeah but that's just kind of i mean it sucks but we can look back to a few years ago when it was actually worse when you were having a lot a lot more often and we didn't have other types of you know medications to help with the pain and help get past things yeah because there would be no way i'd be up walking today after one no no, and then you were up and you, you know got up and cleaned the house a little bit. So, you know, you look like you're feeling a little bit better. Not great, but I'm also medicated, so that helps. Yeah, the medication. alternative yeah, a little medication. medication. Yeah, a little medication. <laughs> I don't partake myself, but I'm perfectly fine with uh, my wife having a gummy or a piece of chocolate here or there. It works better than the prescription medicine that I have to take on the daily. And it's legal, and there's really nothing adversely wrong with it as far as you know side effects or health would go yeah i don't have to take handfuls and it's not mind altering yeah well welcome to open a fucking book (laughs) welcome to midweek cliff's notes our weekday cliff notes episode where we cover book news and whatever the fuck else comes up hopefully have some interviews and not too terribly long we've I've talked to some authors on, you know, the Twitters and the uh, the other social medias that you get a hold of people. So the gram and the book. Yeah, something like that. Well, so we'll get around to that stuff. I'm Eventually. Kevin. I'm Stephanie. And I uh, hope you guys all enjoyed our first episode of Mary Wollstonecraft that came out Saturday. Yes. Uh, she's a she's an interesting person, and I uh, got two more episodes to go. So. All right, well, uh, I guess let's just fucking get into it. So we we complain a lot about how movies change the books. And it, I mean, everybody gets their little artistic license, and, and fuck that. And, you know, no, 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 no. Like fuck Tim Burton. I rewatched um, what's it called, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children yesterday while I was stuck in bed, and it just pissed me off even more because. Tim Burton fucked up that movie, even though he got permission from Ransom Riggs. But still. Well, again, Ransom Riggs is the one you need to be mad at. I'm still mad at him and The majority of the time when people are fucking with books, it's 
the author signing off on it. Okay. Not always. What if the author lot. of World War Z signed off on he it? He did. He helped write the screenplay. Max Brooks, Mel Brooks's son. Yeah. So that, that wasn't. I'm. I. I do not like that. No. But again, when you're taking it from one form to another, you are allowed a, a little bit of artistic life. They wouldn't have been able to do all of World War Z. There's just too much to it. They could have did it in a different form. But that, they could have made more than one fucking movie. They could have. I. I'm the proponent of books should be made into either TV shows or miniseries because that way you can if there's more than one book to a series then you can like I mean Game of Thrones you cover a book a season if the series of books is already done otherwise you end up getting what we got for the last season which a lot of people didn't like we didn't mind it so much uh, we got the whole we understand why the dragon melted down the um, throne of swords, the Iron Throne. It wasn't because he thought that the Iron Throne killed his mother. It's because he knew that everybody wanted the throne. So since his mother's dead, you know what? I'm burning your fucking throne down. Fuck you. He takes his mom and he jets. We understood the symbolism there. A lot of other people just thought that he was a dragon and he was stupid and he thought the throne killed his mom, which obviously didn't happen. A lot of people didn't like it. We we were fine with it, but it didn't go exactly the way we wanted. But again, they didn't have any real source material to work off of because George R. R. Martin won't get his shit together and just finish the fucking series. But where I'm going with this is that um, director, director Ridley Scott, pretty famous guy. Yes. His recent film, Exodus, Gods and Kings, has just been banned in Egypt for what censors call historical inaccuracies. Because of his portrayal of the Egyptian gods? Uh, well, his censors, the censors took issue with the film's depiction of the parting of the Red Sea, which, contrary to the book of Exodus in the Bible, actually occurs by earthquake rather than divine intervention. Censors are also upset with the film's suggestion that Jews had a hand in building the pyramids. Remember, this is Egypt. There's a lot of different stories about how the pyramids got built. Egyptians don't really like the whole Jews were our slaves and we made them do it. There is evidence that Jews had something to do with it. There's evidence to say Jews didn't have anything to do with it. Um, and if they did, they weren't slaves. They were paid workers. It's a chance that the Jews at the time were just really good at math and architecture, and they knew how to build things that would last. So the Egyptians paid them to build them. Uh, whatever, I mean, there's a lot of different conflicting evidence of what happened. But the censors in Egypt are saying that Jews didn't have anything to do with it. And um, that's kind of what films do. They, they take story and they twist it all up to make it presentable to people. So you have your own view on whatever you think. But Exodus, Gods and Kings, Gods and Kings is not going to be allowed to be shown in Egypt. That's very interesting. Uh-huh. 
Um, another thing that I found, and I got these stories from NPR, National Public Radio. Yes, I know what NPR is. Okay. So um, apparently, you're you're a big book reader, the bookshelves, obviously. I don't read as many books as you do. I listen to more books. I when I'm doing my research for the Saturday show, I read them usually. I also listen to a couple, but I always try to read something so you know, kind of gets gives me something to really focus on when I'm taking notes. Uh, but you gave your e-reader e pretty much to me because you never use it because you like the feel and the weight of the book and the pages turning and the smell and the whole yes. book experience. Well, there might be something to be said about that because apparently people who read paper books versus e-readers have a better time sleeping. <laughs> so, but you, you sleep so much better than me. But I, but th now this is for people who read right before they go to sleep. This oh. isn't something throughout the day. This is somebody who picks up an e-reader or a book and reads for you know half an hour or so before they go to bed. So it says it doesn't matter how boring the material may be if you're plotting through through it on an e-reader. New studies show that it'll be likely tougher to fall asleep and to get a good rest while you're at it. A team of researchers corralled a dozen healthy young adults into a private room at Boston's Brigham and Women's Hospital for two weeks, asking half to read from print books for five straight evenings before bed and asking the other half to read e-books on an iPad. Then they swap places. The results were published uh, in the National Academy of Sciences offered clear distinction. Participants noted they were less sleepy uh, when they read the e-books, and it took about 10 more minutes to fall asleep rather than if they read um, paper books. What I want to know is, who stops reading after 30 minutes? Well, there's pl I mean, if it's just something you're doing just to help get yourself to sleep, somebody, some, like me, if I sit down and read, if I'm reading for more than a few minutes without standing up or moving around, I tend to fall asleep. I get very sleepy. So some people just do it to help them fall asleep. Doesn't matter what I'm reading, it, the, the motion of my eyes going across the pages and taking in the information, it, it usually tends to, to make me sleepy. And this is how it is with a lot of people. Not you. You could, you could read an entire book in one sitting and be completely awake. I'm different. But... Here's the thing. Uh, both groups got eight hours of sleep. The e-reading group spent less time of that in REM sleep. So the sleep that they were getting wasn't quality sleep. And not only did they awake feeling sleepier, but it took them hours longer to feel, to fully, quote, wake up and attain the same level of alertness than in the printed book edition, condition. Um, research Researchers attributed this change to the short wavelength light emitted by many e-readers, which can confuse and delay the daily rhythms of our bodies. This type of light is common, not just in iPads, but also in, in phones. Um, the Nook Color and the Kindle Fire. Unlighted e-readers e like the original Kindle, however, share more characteristics with print books than their electronic cousins. So the yeah. e-reader we have is not lit. It's one of those paper white ones that it's just... It's not. It's a 
Yeah. An old Kindle. Yeah. And and that if you don't have a light on it, you can't see it. Right. So, but it's great if there is light shining on it. It's not like a big reflection. It doesn't keep you from reading it like it does when I'm trying to read shit on my phone. Right. So, if you have an e-reader and you're having trouble the next day after you read for a little bit, buy the print book or buy a really old Kindle of the of the the white page type ones that don't put off light, and that might help. Yeah, I think I just didn't like having to tap to turn pages and slide to turn pages. You love the feel of the book. I do. You love the smell of the book. You love the weight of it. You love everything about the book. I do. And I like collecting them. And I like seeing the collections. I like Take up all the the room in our house. Yeah. I like seeing the series complete. I mean, that's why I... I was disappointed in myself because one of my favorite authors had kept putting out books and I didn't keep up with it. And I went and bought more of her books. Yeah. So I was very disappointed in myself. Story, story of my fucking life. Oh, shit. She bought more books. Um, let's cover this real quick. Uh, it says that sickness saved Middle Earth. So apparently... Now, we all know um, J.R.R. Tolkien fought in World War One, But we may owe the Lord of the Rings to a nasty bout of trench fever. Now, this is reported by Allison Flood in NPR. According to documents recently made public by the UK's Force, Forces War Records Organization, a 25-year-old J.R.R. Tolkien narrowly survived his World War I combat experience, likely because of a timely separation from his battalion to recover from the illness. Flood reports that Forces War Records said that while he was convalescing, the 11th Battalion with which he was serving was hit by German mortar fire, wounding many with a massive bombardment of its front-line followers. So if he hadn't have been sick on this particular day, he may have gotten injured, possibly killed, and then no Lord of the Rings. Oh, that would have been very disappointing. And no Lord of the Rings, God knows what else we never get, because half of the fantasy genre comes from Lord of the R- being inspired by Lord of the Rings. So, who knows? I mean, we probably Game of Thrones probably would have never happened. Yeah. There's a lot of fantasy that would have never came to be without Lord of the Rings. So, luckily for uh, the trench fever. Yeah. About I and I don't know what trench fever is, but apparently it's enough to keep you home from war for at least a day. <laughs> and then I just got one more thing. Um, just a small thing from, uh, oh, fuck, I don't even know, oh, The Guardian. So, apparently, a four-year-old lands a book deal for his astonishing poetry. Last week, we talked about, was a ten-year-old. Ten-year-old, yes. Got a publishing deal. Well, this one, uh, a four-year-old named Nadim Shama Shorgen. He's the newest star in the UK's poetry firmament. And his poems range from Coming Home. We got a little snippet over here. You want to hear it? Yes. Take our gloves off. Take our shoes off. Put them where they're supposed to go. 
Take off your brave feeling because there's nothing to be scared of in the house. And then another one is to love. And the little section they have here is everyone has love, even baddies. It's really cute. So congratulations to him on uh, doing something that I could never do. I'm a poet. And I, I've always said that when I become a teacher, that one of the things I'm going to do was encourage my students to write poetry because I feel it is a dying art. And I'm really glad to see a four-year-old is writing poetry or that their parent, his parents are encouraging it and helping to get it published and turning it over to publishing companies and so on and so forth to get it out there for other people to see that. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, as long as he doesn't turn into a little bastard about it. <laughs> okay. I want that fucking pony. Don't forget where all your money comes from, bitches. When he makes it big as a poet. You know, because he's got all that poet money ro rolling in. Yeah, because poets <laughs> make lots of money. He's getting those. He's getting that poet poontang thrown his way. Oh my goodness, he's four. <laughs> for now. Uh, all right, what do you got before I get to the uh, four to the books of the day? Well, um, I bought four new books. Uh -huh. Three of them are by one author. Because, uh -huh. <laughs> like I said, I um, like last week I bought my Calamity Jane, and gosh, I forgot what else I I bought. Didn't you write them down? No, I took a picture. We're professionals here at AudioParfait.com. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. Oh, I got, uh, I bought The Year of the Witchy. Which I really, we covered last week. Yes, I really wanted to uh, to read that one. Mm -hmm. My Calamity Jane. Which we also covered last week. Yes, and The Ocean at the End of the Lane, which is a Neil Gaiman book. I have a crap ton of Neil Gaiman books. Mm -hmm. I'm slowly building my collection of his books. I've only read one. <laughs> Which one? Carol Coraline. Oh yeah. 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 So Again, another book turned to a movie. Yeah. But the movie was fantastic. It, it really you, was. Whether it's different from the book or not, the movie's still fucking fantastic. Yes. So. The the movie is what turned me on to Neil Gaiman um in the first place. Yeah. And then the whole American Gods thing. I haven't watched the show yet because well, I want to read the book. And we don't have stars. And we so we had to wait for art to start getting played on like Hulu or some shit. Before, neither one of us has ever had a time to sit down and watch it. I hear good things, but no, neither one of us have been able to. I don't want to watch it until well, I read we watch Good Omens. On, yes. And that is. And I will be buying that book, yeah. too, because I want to read the book, because the show was awesome. Yeah, it was. Uh, but the new books I got, um, one of my favorite authors is Madeline Rue. Mm -hmm. She wrote the Asylum series. Yeah. I read all the books in the Asylum series. I am well aware. Um. Then the next series she started with. Why don't you tell the, the people listening what exactly the Asylum series is very quickly. Okay. The Asylum series is kind of like the uh, Miss Peregrine School for Peculiar Home is for that, Peculiar Children. Is that children. the name of the first book? Asylum? Yes. Asylum. The Asylum. Uh, Asylum is the name of the first book. Okay. Um. Anyway. So how Ransom Riggs went around searching for all these photos yeah. to write a story about. Yeah. Madeline Rue did the same thing, only she went the kind of horror scary route with it. Okay. So um that's where you get 
an asylum that was turned into a college and you know this this teenager goes off to a college for the summer to do like some credit stuff and weird things start happening to him so okay it's creepy it's funny but then she went to house of furies and i didn't know she wrote more with that and then here comes tomb of the ancients mm -hmm. and i think there's another one in that series but then she has uh sadie walker is stranded it's a zombie story so i'm really excited to see what madeline rue can do with zombies mm -hmm. with what she did with that and then i'm not sure what it's about i'm sure it's going to be great because it's madeline rue but it's called salvaged um she's got other books in that series too so i mean i'm very behind on madeline rue and she's i love the way she writes and then the last book i got is called obsidio it's the book number three in the illuminati files um with jay christoph and i forget her first name but it's uh kaufman like amy kaufman i think and jay christoph uh they write it together and it's very interesting it's like a blueprint type written book mm -hmm. um at least the first one is i haven't read it but i've, I've skimmed through it so, Again, more books that you, you you bought haven't read, but then books uh, more books in the series come out that you just have to buy because I have to complete even though a series. You don't know if you're going to like them or not. Oh, I know I'm going to like you it. You don't I know read... you're going to like yes, it. Yes, because I wouldn't no. have bought the first book if I didn't like what was on the back of it and it didn't pique my interest. But no, that's that's ridiculous. What's the whole "Don't judge a book by its cover"? That goes onto the back cover too. But I read it. We didn't read the book. No, but I read the the bits and pieces about it. But that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean you're going to like it. <sighs> read, if, if you're going to start getting into a series, at least read a book in the series before you decide that you have to buy all of them. Okay, with Dorinda Jones, I don't have to know. that. Okay, that I know because she's an established author that you've been reading for forever and with madeline rue okay that's fine but this other one you just bought a book you haven't read any of the series i don't need to because i know jay Kristoff's a great author but that doesn't mean you're gonna like this p particular book i'm a huge stephen king fan but i don't love all of his books some of the stuff that he wrote is just not that great They're not all gems. I think I think they'll be fine once I finally finish, you know, summon to the 13th grave. Okay. So uh, let's get, you know, real quick to the books. We've, like I said, we want to keep these episodes short. So first I have our fiction book is The End of Her by Shari Lapina. And um, it's a new domestic suspense novel from New York Times bestselling author of The Couple Next Door. And someone we know. Or, yeah, someone we know. A long-ago accident and a visitor from out of the blue. So pretty much the, this woman and man are married. And um, he was married before. He tells his wife that she died. Uh, then all of a sudden this lady from his past comes up telling uh, this woman who's actually named Stephanie. Telling her that she didn't die. She was murdered. And Patrick had something to do with it, her husband. 
and he's saying, no, 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 she's a liar. And the lady's saying, no, 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 he's a liar. So it's something she has to figure out. He said, she said, and yeah. she's stuck in the middle. Yeah, and now she has to um, try to figure out who's telling the truth, uh, if she's living with a very dangerous person or not, and if st- if she has made this horrible mistake by getting, by being with this man who has a apparently a very troubling, puzzling past. So it's uh, it's by Pamela Dorman Books. Came out in July. So that sounds like something you'd be into. Go to your local bookstore. You know, most local bookstores, if they don't have it in stock, they can order it for you. It might just take a little bit longer. So Or go the Amazon or the Books A Million or the Barnes & Noble and go to your local bookstore. Or Budget Books or the billion other places online that you can buy books. So our nonfiction is called Is Rape a Crime? A Memoir, an Investigation, and a Manifesto by Michelle Bowdler. B-O-W-D-L-E-R. Bowdler. So, uh, it's She Said Meets Lady in Michelle Bowdler's provocating debut telling the story of her rape and recovery while while interrogating why one of society's most serious crimes goes largely uninvestigated. So in 1984, the Boston Sexual Assault Unit was formed as a result of a series of break-ins and rapes that terrorized the city, of which Michelle's own horrific rape was the last. 20 years later, after a career of working with victims like herself, Michelle decides to find out what happened to her case and why she never heard from the police again after one brief interview. Is Rape a Crime is an expert blend of memoir and culture investigation, and Michelle's story is a rallying cry to reclaim our power and right our world. It's from Flatiron Books. It's like 304 pages, so not huge, but still a good read, it seems like. Rape? That is... That's one of those things that it, 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 it seems like it's really hard to get to actually go to court with. You because, have to have a lot of evidence. And no, most people don't want to believe women. They, that too. And a lot of women are scared to say that they were raped. So I would be inclined, this is one of the ones I would be inclined to, to buy because you watch it more than I do, but both of us sit down and watch Law & Order SVU all the time because it's the Special Victims Unit because they cover York's most sensitive case. And because Ice-T is, the whole John Mulaney skit on Ice-T just brings a smile to my face. But, with that aside, obviously things don't work quite that way in real life. You don't go from somebody saying, oh, this person raped me, straight to a court case. It takes months, sometimes years for that shit to happen. But the whole reason we watch it is because of what they're covering. It's that these are rape crimes. These are sexual assault crimes. And most of the time, those don't really get followed up on all that much. This person raped me. Prove it. Because that's that's what you have to do in our in our justice system is that you have you have to prove this person is guilty. They don't have to prove that they're not. So when you're saying something that's as intimate as rape, you have to prove that first that you two had any type of intercourse at all, whether it's um, consensual, or consensual not. forced or not. Then you have to uh, prove that it wasn't consensual. 
And then you have to prove that pretty much you have to prove that you're not a huge whore that does this with everybody because that's that's what they end up going to is, oh, she says that it's rape. But look at her past. She's had sex with a couple other people. So she's just a whore. And now she's trying to get money or attention out of it. And a lot of it, that's how what it seems like a lot of defense attorneys, at least what we've seen, turn to is like, oh, it's not his fault. She let him on. This is just what she does. And nobody ever wants to believe the woman. Hopefully that's changing with the Me Too movement that came out and women finally standing up for themselves saying, you know, all the stuff that happened to me, it's not right. Sexual assault, sexual harassment, right? Hopefully that's turning a page, but I mean, we all know how the world works, so probably not near as much as what it should. But this would be something I would definitely be looking into to reading just to see if anything ever came of it, what she finds out. So to make a big turn here, we'll cover a kid's book now. <laughs> and it's the uh, the Highland Falcon Thief Adventures on Trains. Choo-choo. Choo-choo. So um, the Highland Falcon Thief, <clears throat> I guess I need to speak into the microphone. The Highland Falcon Thief Adventures on Trains, number one is a middle grade series starter from N. M.G. Leonard and Sam Segman, a young boy is swept up in an investigation to, over, underco- to uncover the perpetrator of a jewel thief. When 11-year-old Harrison Howell Beck is forced to accompany his travel writer uncle on the last journey of a royal train, he expects a boring trip spent away from video games and children his age. But then Howell spots a girl who should not be on board, and he quickly makes friends with the stowaway. Lenny. Things get even more interesting when the royal prince and princess board the last leg of the journey because the princess's diamond necklace is soon stolen and replaced with a fake. It's a twist. Suspicion falls on the one person who isn't supposed to be there. Obviously, the stowaway, Lenny. It's up to Hal and his keen observation and his skill as a budding sketch artist to uncover the real jewel thief real jewel thief, clear his friend's name, and return the diamond necklace before the Highland Falcon makes its last stop. This is from Fuel and Friends Publishers. It's a it's it's a 256-page book, it says. So that's a, I mean, that's a decent-sized book for a kid's book. Yeah, it's chapter books and stuff like that. So probably around middle school age. Well, it says it's, it says it's um, middle grade series. So, you know. Fifth, sixth, something like that. Yeah, middle school. Yeah, so uh, sounds like something most we would have re- probably read when we were younger. I mean, I probably would have read when I was young. You would have read it in like kindergarten. I would have read it like you know, probably. freshman year. <laughs> and Give then, yourself a little bit more credit than that. Okay, Adrian. And then um, I have one that I saw it and I immediately thought of my wife because this type of thing it she's into called A Wicked Magic by Sasha Lawrence. And then just just the uh, the overview kind of shout out. It's chilling adventures of Sabrina meets the craft. Hmm. Uh-huh. When modern witches must save teens stolen by an ancient demon in this YA fantasy thriller debut. Dan and Liss are witches. The Black Book granted them the power. Harnessing that power feels good, especially when everything in their lives makes them feel powerless goes with being a teenager. During a spell gone wrong, 
Lissa's boyfriend is snatched away by an evil entity and presumed dead. Dan and Lissa's friendship dies that night, too. How can they practice magic after the darkness that they had conjured? Months later, Liss discovers that her boyfriend is alive, trapped underground in the grips of an ancient force. She must save him, and she needs Dan and the power of the Black Book to do so. Dan is quickly sucked back into Liss's orbit and pushes away her best friend, Alexa. But Alexa has some big secrets she's hiding and her own unique magical disaster to deal with. When another teen disappears, the girls know it's no coincidence. What greedy magic have they awakened? And what does it want with these teens it has stolen? Set in the atmospheric wilds of California's northern coast, Sasha Lord's thrilling debut novel is about the complications of friendship, how to take power back, and how to embrace the darkness that lives within us all. It's from Razorbill Publishing. And, I mean, it's a decent size. It's 368 uh, pages, it says. So that's a decent size. That's... It's for ages 13 to 17, so, you know, right down your alley. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounded a little young for me, but, I mean, I, I kind of like watching those teenage shows on TV, like Sabrina. Yeah. But, but I wouldn't get into Riverdale or uh, the other shows like Riverdale or whatever. I only liked Sabrina because of the nostalgia. But it, it really wasn't about, but it really, you can't really say nostalgic because it has nothing to do with the TV show. The old TV, the old. No, but it, the, the, it was more show. the name and how I knew about the comics because yeah, it was closer to really, the comics. You did like the show. Though, I did like the show. Before after they start. fucking canceled it. Like they do everything that we love. Yeah. Because <laughs> fucking Netflix. You know, they just fucking Netflix. Yeah. But yeah, I'm. I'd say get it for me. I'd read it. <laughs> Honestly, half the books that I see you pick up feels like they would be too young for you, but you love them anyway. Well, no, young adult ranges anywhere from like late teens to your early 30s. But some young adult is also adult contemporary. Most of the young adults I look for, I, I've looked at are age range from like 13 to 20. I haven't seen very many that are age ranged up until the mid thirties or early thirties. Because then you're not; it's not really young adult. Dorinda Jones's books are considered adult contemporary and young adult. All right, you have to, but it's just it's just the name of a genre. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. Okay. Well, you got anything else? Those are the four that uh, when we'll have all the information. For all the books that we've talked about on our show notes, links to the publisher site or wherever you can buy the book if you want to, uh, directly from the publisher or the author. And usually, and I've been trying to put the Twitter accounts for the authors or LinkedIn or Facebook. The, the easiest way to get a hold of them, I tried to go Twitter, but a couple of them didn't have any Twitter accounts, so I got to find some other way to get a hold of them. But I uh, put it up there. So if you want to, you know, message them and, and talk to them or start following them or whatever, uh, we have that up. So. We'll have everything that I covered, everything Stephanie covered. I will, I'm sure I'll just put down the author of some of the books that you put, because I'm not putting down every single book that you just mentioned, because half of them are from the same fucking author. So I'll just put the latest book that they have, their Twitter, and then you can do the research yourself. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's get to the socials real quick. On Twitter and Instagram, I am at ECJBAT. Uh, we are at Audio Parfait. And we are at open a F I N G book, open an F in book. I am young E T A M six on Twitter, young E T A M 
on Instagram. I don't do anything on Instagram really anyway, so it doesn't matter. You can email us, info at audioparfait.com. Send us, you know, e- email us about anything. Uh, we'll start reading some emails on here once we get, you know, a handful of them in here so we can do an actual segment on them. So it's not just, hey, I got one email, I'll read it this week. Um, webpage, audioparfait.com, where you can listen to all the shows, uh, all the episodes of this show, uh, including our latest uh, Mary Wollstonecraft. Ser- um, first episode of that series was on just past Saturday. Episode two comes on this Saturday, so we have more to look forward to. And then episode three will be the week after that, and that'll be the end of that one. We'll go into another one. Um, also, you can look up uh, episodes of our other podcast. I know it's not real, but that had to hurt. The wrestling podcast. If you like wrestling, if you hate wrestling, listen to that because we cover uh, both sides of it. Both, and if you think I cuss a lot in this show, <laughs> boy, howdy. <laughs> boy. She she says fuck a lot. Fuck's my favorite word. I know it is. It's my flavor word. I know it is. It's her it's her salt that she sprinkles on her language of fries. I'm very articulate, but man, <laughs> my cuspers are they're just so fucking awesome. And she says a lot of them on that show. Uh, run over to our Patreon, patreon.com at Audio Parfait. You think that we're uh, doing a good enough job that we can get paid a little bit, or you want some exclusive stuff? Episodes out early. Uh, we're always trying to think of new things we can put on the Patreon to give to you guys to make it worth your while to actually give us money for what we do. Um, again, go to your library, go to your local bookstore, get uh, get a book from a local author. Most most bookstores have local author sections where you can go go buy somebody's book, help them out, help the bookstore out, go volunteer at your library, wipe down some books so people don't get sick after uh, you've touched them and they've touched them and everybody else has touched them. The yeah, and ask, ask your local bookstores if you have if they have any upcoming author signings. Um, Probably won't be happening right now, yeah, signings. But, um, you can I think al- most canceled. You can always get signed up for a, uh, a newsletter or something that they'll keep you informed on. Uh, we just posted a a picture on Twitter and Instagram of Stephanie meeting Cassandra Clare at uh, a bookstore in St. Louis. Yes. She is well, it was actually at a like a little theater. But it was it was it hosted was, by a local bookstore. Yeah, Left Bank Books. Yeah. And uh, if you don't know her, she is the writer of the Shadowhunters series. Yes, they got the book and they had the they had the movie. And we don't talk had, about the movie. And they have the TV. We don't talk about the movie, but you made me watch it. And they have the TV um, show. As I recall, you went out and rented it and watched it with me. You got it for... I got it for you. And you watched and it with I me. I had to watch it with you. You could didn't it, have to. Yes, I did. You know it. It, could, yeah. it wasn't horrible. It could have been better. could have been a lot better. I was pissed. I know you were. But again, I hadn't read the book, so it was fine with me. But at least the, I mean, the TV show was a little bit better. But no, 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 no. I, know, I, I sat through a couple episodes of that TV show, and it was not better. No, it was better, and the fact that they went along with the book better. But it, it was horrible acting. Yeah, it, it was not. It was, it was not. Nah. I, it, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I, I stopped. You're like, are you gonna watch this with me? And I watched a couple episodes, and then. Uh, we had it recorded, and you're like, oh, I haven't watched that. I've been waiting for you to... He goes, I'm not watching that shit. You watch that shit by yourself. I don't want to... You don't want to watch it? Fuck no. Did you watch? Did you watch it? 
then you know why I don't want to watch it. I I watched all of it, and I mean, I w- I was excited in the beginning because they were following the book so well. Yeah. And then like they fucked it all up. As as they do, that happens. All right, we're running long. Let's get the fuck out of here. All right. Uh, like we say all the time. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. And between now and the time we get to talk to you again, do yourself a favor. Go for the fucking book. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys.